Welcome to The Dental Brief, the world's direct, right-to-the-point podcast produced to get you the information you need to learn and grow your practice. To learn more about our guests and find links to information discussed on our show, visit our website, dentalbrief.com. On to today's episode. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Dental Brief. Today we have with us um, Dr. Anima Lachi. Did I say that correctly, doctor? You got it right. <laughs> Great. Um, it's, it's definitely uh, not as hard as it looks. Um, <laughs> you are a pediatric dentist. You own and operate a couple of practices um, in the DC, Washington, DC, Maryland area. Um, I'm going to let you kind of just tell our audience um, how you became a dentist, how you got into dentistry and how you got to where you're at today. Oh man. So I'm one of those people who's want to be a dentist since they were in elementary school. I was literally pulling teeth in the playground for money. So entrepreneur and dentistry were in my calling. And interestingly, I have no family members who are dentists. So it was by a great mentor and an awesome pediatric dentist that um, kind of pushed me through the way. So, um, you know, I went to Chapel Hill for dental school and Duke for undergrad and had a fabulous time and really uh, stepped into the DC area by love and have planted ourselves at home here um, where we run a, one of our offices is actually in the neighborhood I live in, which is quite interesting. Awesome. And uh, the other is just outside of, of um, about 15 minutes away. So I have to ask you back, back to um, elementary school and pulling beef for, teeth for money. What was the going rate for an abstraction back then? 25 cents. <clears throat> so that's, so that's where the PPO pricing model started, I'm assuming, was about then. Um, you right. And I wasn't including materials and supplies, so I was probably losing money on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, did you get, was it, did you get paid cash up front or was it some type of, when I, I pulled a, a tooth for my little, my older sister, when I was little, I was a cut of the, you know, as a commission base, I got a part of the tooth fairy money. Um, <laughs> Funny you say that I would ask for a part of the tooth fairy money, but I usually never got that. And I always actually, I got paid very similar to a PPO model because I got paid after the tooth fairy came. And 90, so. 90 to 120 days after, and you had to write three, four letters too. So, <laughs> so um, now that we know you started that model, um, I want to talk to, I, on the show today, I know you want to talk about culture. Um, I want to talk about practices and cultures. You're in DC. There's a lot going on there. I mean, you're very um, obviously active in the dental community. You love dentistry, love being a dentist. Um, it's wonderful to hear. So talk to me about culture. What is it? What, what are issues and problems that you're seeing out there? And what, what are, once we know what these issues are, we can start talking about the cures for them. Yeah, of course. Um, the reason why um, I was thinking about purposeful culture is really because um, my practice, I've had my practice for seven years. And I didn't think at all, I didn't think at all about this in dental school. And I didn't think at all about culture when I took a little bit about it when I was opening my practice. But as we transitioned through team members, and especially as we're transitioning through the pandemic, um, purposeful culture is something that is absolutely needed. It just doesn't happen on its own, which is what I thought. You bring a team in, you buy a few Starbucks every other day and buy some lunches and you go out and have a happy hour and there's your culture. Right. That's not right. So all cultures, every practice has a culture, whether they know that or not, right? Um, yeah. Whether they're in charge of it or not, um, there's one exists. So 
<clears throat> creating a purposeful culture, I'm assuming is the process. Um, and I'll let you elaborate as is the process of getting to where you want to go to having the culture that you want to have. Um, is, is that a fair definition? Absolutely. So what are the steps to doing this? And <clears throat> let me kind of interject here a little more. Um, practices are struggling culture-wise across the country. Um, team building is at all-time low. Turnovers at all-time highs. And I mean, even this, was, this wasn't good before uh, COVID. It's certainly worse after. I know a lot of people are blaming um, unemployment checks on issues. I don't believe that myself. Um, I don't, I'm a believer that 99.9% .9 of people want to work. Um, they want to work in a healthy environment and a good environment, of course. Um, so I don't buy the, the stimulus checks. Um, how, where do you start? Where do you start to make this better? Where do you start to build that team? And then, and then how do you keep the team? Well, interestingly, where I thought it started kind of with onboarding. It really starts before that. So it, it starts with the, the ad or the ask out for looking for team members. Yep. And, you know, so that first establishing your mission, and your vision, you know, knowing who you are, um, being willing to um, fight for who you are, which means that you don't really, when you start accepting exceptions, that's when the culture, I see holes happening in my own team culture. And so starting from that, that ad of, you know, we need a team member. And you've seen the boring ads, like, hey, we're looking for a hygienist. It's going to be this range. It's going to be this. No, we're looking for this person, this personality. Are you the one? Like, literally, just, are you the one? And once they get in, because I've been noticing, even with us, we had some turnover as we came back from the pandemic. We didn't have 90 days to get this person in the right culture seat. So then we had to find a culture ambassador. Who's the culture ambassador in the practice? Hopefully it's someone that's, you know, been there. They know who you are, who I am as a provider. They're, re they're ready, willing, and able. They wear our office on them all around. And they wear all of the mission and the vision and all the things that we want to make sure our practice exudes beyond just doing a great prep. No one knows if we did a good film. I mean, an adult might know, but a kid is not going to give me a high five on a great filling. You're going to give me a high five on the way they felt when they walked out of practice. Right. And so having that ambassador from the door, making sure that everyone understands what the vision, what the mission is, and then continues to kind of repeat, 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 so that it becomes not about the, it's about the people, but it's really, it's almost like a systemized way of culturizing the people that come in to your practice. So if this ambassador position um, that you're speaking about, obviously they have other duties. They're not the full-time uh, ambassador. Um, is it, do you think it should be um, practice owner? Should it be the dentist or no? Should it be, is it better to have someone else? It's just when you say that, because I used to think that it had to be the owner. And um, I would say it's not, it's been very recent. Maybe in the past year, as I've been going back and forth through the pandemic, it, it, doesn't have to, it does not have to be the owner, but the owner has to exude those principles which is interesting, right? Because I see a lot of times within practices, we like, we want things this way, but we won't show up for the morning huddle. Well, then that doesn't really help. <laughs> That's not really showing that you want it that way because you're not willing to, to actually practice in the way that you want. Or that the so, huddle is important. If you're not showing up, it's not important. Exactly. Right, yeah. So that, so I don't have, I thought I had to be the one and it and see it and be in the trenches and yes I do you know they want to see that you're willing to put in the work too but I don't have to always be the one doing the, the onboarding for the culture 
um, of our practice, et cetera. So let's continue on building the practice or building the culture and the practice. Um, what's something that a practice owner can do today? Like, what are some steps? What should they read? What should they look at? Um, what should they follow? Um, they're just lost in this. And I, and I think a lot are, I, I've been lost in it at times in my professional career too. So, um, I mean, if we, if we can't admit our weaknesses, we definitely can't lead. Um, so what are, what are some things they can do today? What are some steps to start getting on the right track and, and getting purpose, you know, in the culture? Well, it's maybe just that making sure, maybe dusting off um, their mission and vision and wearing it wherever you are. So like in one of my practices, walking down the hall, like the team should know what it is. It shouldn't be something that we just discuss once a year or in evaluation time, but it should be in a place where our families know, our teams know where, what's going on and where we want to be. And so making sure that that's known and making sure you still agree with it because it changes over time, maybe of what you want. And then also identifying who that person's going to be that you're going to put through the first um, in our, in our office. Now it's called culture boot camp. Who's going to be, if you don't already have someone that, that has it hundred percent, who's going to be, who's the 75 percenter right now that you can get to be that ambassador. And so, and, and then what are your non-negotiables are? Because in our office, you will wear the hat. You will wear a pizza hat. <laughs> And we test them on it. When they come in for a working interview, we're like, okay, today's hat day. And we pass out the hats and we see, is there, I don't, I don't want to mess up my hair today. Or I don't, you know, I, I don't wear hats. We, we see it and we're like, oh, this isn't going to work because you wear hats here. So you just, those, and then we're, I don't, just as a strong, we are, we're desperate for employees right now. And so we might just take anyone. And I've, oh my goodness, I've learned that that taking anyone could, could kill it and you spend two or three years trying to get it back. That's right. And, and here's why, here's one of the reasons why, and you probably know this, but when you make a poor hiring decision, you'll stick by that decision way too long because you don't want to admit you made a mistake mm-hmm. in a poor hiring decision. And you just keep hoping they will work out over and over and over and over again. Meanwhile, you have this, you know, toxic center in your culture now, right? You have this person who others probably know was a bad hiring decision too. Um, and it can go down fast. You can lose your best employees by making a poor hiring um, decision. Yeah. And, and now your best employee is your poor hiring decision. So exactly. with you 100%, tell, can, would you share your mission and vision statement? Would you be okay sharing that with our audience? Absolutely. If you're, so, if you're not, it's okay. I know it's a, it's very personal. So our vision is to, our, our mission and our core values are we sweat the small stuff, we hire the best and the brightest, we pursue excellence, and we are the Disney of pediatric dentistry. What? And so when, you know, when team members, when they walk down the hall and they see, they're like, Ooh, okay, what, what does that mean? And we have, we do have to define it because we've seen at times where I'm like, yeah, I know we sweat the small stuff. One of that, that means to me, every kid gets a balloon. And, you know, today, you know, balloons aren't blown. And I'm like, oops, somebody missed it. Somebody missed the core value boot camp <laughs> because every kid's not walking down the hall with a balloon. So, um, and so when we, when we look at that broader vision, then those core values expand to, we want to be a research hub nationally and internationally for pediatric industry. We want to promote, like today, you might see 
and my audience won't see, but I have a I have a Rolling Stone shirt on with the tongue out and the leopard print tongue out. And we just launched a new specialty clinic called Thrive. And it's a branch off for us to be able to serve more and serve harder. And those are our kids that may fall into sleep apnea and things of that sort. And so for us, we want to be at the peak. At the, we want to be one of the forerunners in pediatric dentistry. And so when you're coming here, I'm like, okay, what's your next step? Because I, I don't want you to be in the same position you are in my office in two years. You have to move. You have to move up. Sometimes you have to move out. And that means I'm doing my job as a leader. That's happening. That's right. Yeah. Then you know what? That's a, I think that's a good thing. If you have people in your practice in your business that don't, that want to move up and out, right? Moving up means moving up, support them in that, right? Now they get to leave on terms that work for both of you. When you know it, they can help hire replacements. You can support them and be a great leader in, in your community. I think that's a really good thing. Um, doctor, anything else you want to leave our audience with before we end today? Um, yeah, you know, I think that this purposeful culture is, again, it's not easy, but it's doable. So in the things that we were talking about, you know, find someone in your, make sure you've clarified your vision. Um, because I see a lot of times we have um, like general, very, very general, a general view of dentistry in our practice, but be specific because being specific is going to help you define who you are, um, again, as a provider and who your practice is going to be and what they're going to be going for. So um, all those things as keeping them in mind, it can be done. And again, you know, no desperate hires. <laughs> Take your um, time and wanna, um, put it in. I want to tell our audience to check out your practice today because it's, it's a really great site. It's definitely okay. worth um, any dentist, especially pediatric dentist, taking a look at. It's mychildrenschoicedental.com. Mychildrenschoicedental.com. Um, okay. Dr. Animalachi, thank you so much for coming out today. We really appreciate your time. I do too. Thanks so much. Thank you for joining us on today's episode. Did you know you can weigh in on today's topic on Facebook? Search The Dental Brief on Facebook or visit our website, dentalbrief.com, and just follow the link. We look forward to having you join us again on another episode of The Dental Brief.